Welcome to Gateway Church Wirral Online. We're so delighted that you're with us this morning. So great that you can be a part of our live streamed gathering. Just to welcome you to this space and what we're all about. Um, to say that we as a church, we're all about seeing people meet with God, encounter him for all his goodness and his grace and for lives to be changed by him. As a church, we want to see a world transformed, made better and better through every life transformed by the grace of God. So our hope and our prayer for you today, meet with Jesus in the things that we're saying, in the things that we're singing, in the way that we're opening up the word of God, which is alive for us today. We want you to know Jesus, know that he loves you, know that he has a plan for your life. And as we're going through our gathering this morning, do please connect with us here in this live stream space. You can fill in our connection card. The tab, I think, is at the top of your screen. Request prayer if you'd like to. There are great, friendly people who would love to pray with you. And do just connect with us in any and every way that you'd love to. As a church, we gather. That's what we're about today. When we come to the close of our gathering, I'll tell you how you can connect with us going forward into the week. So have a really great time. Be blessed. Enjoy yourself and enjoy Jesus, we pray. Good morning and welcome to Gateway Church Wirral. We're so glad uh, that you've joined us this morning as we come together to, to worship God, to know him more, to encourage one another. And um, we appreciate this morning. That was quite a, a striking way to begin our gathering together. We do so for two reasons. The first is today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. We want to invite you, for all of us as a church, to be investing ourselves today in prayer for those who know incredible struggles and hardships and persecutions because of their faith in Jesus Christ. In our meeting notes today, and they're available there online for you all, uh, there are some details about how you can be praying with other Christians right around the country, right around the world uh, this evening, and we've put some prayer sheets available for you today. But as we watch that little video and are reminded that it is so difficult for folks to gather, not just because of this COVID pandemic, but also because of the, the struggles that they face for faith in Jesus, we're reminded of how precious it is that we gather together. So look, go ahead. Why don't you just message somebody this morning? Why don't you send them an invitation to come and gather with you uh, this morning? Why don't you encourage one another? You can use the chat function here as well and encourage one another in faith in Jesus Christ. We want you also as we unpack our new themes over these few weeks make sure you're invested in your transformed communities they're so important aren't they in these uh, days of being physically socially distanced from one another that we remember we are one body in Jesus Christ we're one Lord and we have this shared purpose and joy in worshiping God so right now we're going to come and we're going to worship God we've got some things for the family as we proceed and we're going to unpack the word of God all of the details are in the meeting notes if you need to request prayer do that fill in the connection card we'd love to get to know you more and support and bless you but let's come right now and worship the God who has called us here today who we're gathered around who we love and who we honor in Jesus name Amen. Father of kindness, you have brought out grace. You brought me out of darkness, you have filled me with Giver of mercy, oh my help in time of need. Lord, I 
can't help but see Faithful you are Faithful forever you will be Faithful you are And all your promises are Faithful forever you will be 
Sometimes we feel good, we feel sad, we feel okay, depending on the day. Now this morning, we want to give you a little bit of test. How good are you at the emoji game? Do you know what they are? So we're going to show you some emojis and I want you to guess what the emotions are. So here we go. Here's the first one. Now that's a nice and simple one. Hopefully you've all got that one. That of course is feeling happy. Here's the next one. Can we see that one? There we go. What do you reckon that one is? That's probably an easy one as well. That's feeling sad. We can feel like that as well. Our emotions are funny, aren't they, at times? Here's, we've got a few more. Here's this one. Can you recognize that one? We're going to give you a couple of seconds there. And it is actually when you feel mad. Maybe your face looks like that when you feel mad. You never know. Here we go. Here's the next one. What about that? Maybe when you get given something, you feel surprised. You're like, wow, that's amazing. And we have got sometimes, here we go. Can you guess that one? Sometimes we go red, don't we, with anger. When we're annoyed and we're upset at something, we can feel 
like that. We've got a couple of more to go. Here we go. Do you like to do this? What do you think? Yes, are you thinking? Do you like to think things through? I do. That may be my face a lot of the time. What about this one? We've got a couple more. Here we go. Do you worry? Do you worry about things? Because we do, don't we? And we have got three more. Here we go. We're going quickly on this one. What about that? Maybe if a mouse ran across you, you might feel a bit shocked. Yes? You never know on that one. And what about this one? Here we are. Ugh. Does it look like that? Do you sometimes feel sick? Your poor parents at times, hey? And we've got two more. Here we go. We have got laughter. Do you like to laugh? Do you laugh so much that tears come down your face? Hopefully you do. And here is our final one. There we go. Do you feel love? Do you like to love each other and feeling love? So how did you do? Did you get them all right? Do you know your emojis? Maybe in the chat you can say to the host how many you got right? Because of course our emotions are funny things, don't they? Sometimes we don't know how we feel and sometimes people are feeling differently to how we feel as well. We don't always understand how people are feeling. Of course, we're in a funny season, aren't we, at times? And we can feel pain. It happens to all of us. And during this pandemic, there's been lots of uncertainty. There's been a lot of loss. There's been a lot of grief. And we're going to be looking at that in a few minutes with Pastor Greg about loss and grief. And all our emotions come up through it but I want to encourage you this morning is don't keep quiet is actually share your emotions share how you're feeling with your parents with your friends you see somebody you love might have passed away at some point and we can bottle those emotions up but as I said be encouraged that Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us and be encouraged as well is as Christians we will see them again one day. As I finish, this is what 2 Corinthians 1 4 says The God of all comfort comforts us all, comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have, have received from God. You see, the Bible says that God will be with us no matter what. Comfort us when we experience grief and loss. So today, don't forget to share your emotions. Don't forget to talk about them and share them with your friends and family and know that God will never leave us nor forsake us. I'm just going to pass over to Pastor Greg as we continue. Thank you. I, um, I, I noticed as I was just looking at the chat there that um, there were some interesting responses to some of those emojis. Somebody, when they saw the sick one, uh, they suggested it was the mushy peas emoji. I just want to point out that you should be going to a different chippy um, if that's what your experience is. And then somebody, when it was the love emoji, um, the word that they chose to represent that with was chocolate. Um, and yes, we feel you, we hear you, and we are largely in agreement. For those of you parents who are doing that with your kids, I think we all know that the primary emojis for parenting are the face 
eggplant emoji, and secondarily, the one with multiple lines beneath the eyes. Can I get an amen? Um, I imagine I probably can. Um, these things, are, it's a bit of fun, but it's a very true thing that we're um, hoping to experience, hoping to encounter is the opportunity um, to process our feelings well. Um, and of course, you know, it, it's pretty tricky in these days, is it not, to, to process our feelings, our emotions well. Um, so much is up in the air, isn't it? So many of the ordinary ways of doing life, of going about life, uh, they're just not open to us currently. And so what we wanted to do over today and these next couple of weeks is to unpack uh, some of those emotions. Now, please, um, I'm very conscious that when we start to, to, to unpack emotions, when we start to kind of consider these things, um, that can be quite a difficult thing to do. And it would be neglectful of me and very poor of me if we, if we thought somehow that in this, uh, these few moments that we have gathered together as a church that we could somehow just deal with everything. You know, I am, I'm not so proud as to think that, you know, Pastor Greg can talk for a few minutes and somehow everything will be put to rights in our lives. So please, as we journey through these things today and over the next couple of weeks, please um, get in touch, contact, connect, make sure you're part of a transformed community where you can talk through uh, these issues. And we want to highlight to you as well that when we talk particularly about the grief uh, and the, the, the process of mourning through the loss of a loved one, uh, that we are now offering uh, the bereavement journey. We began last Wednesday, but it's not too late for you to join in. If you want to come and join from this coming Wednesday, then you're still more than welcome. Uh, do please get in touch with us about that. Uh, today, we're going to talk very particularly about those griefs and those losses, the process of mourning that comes through the loss of a loved one. I'm very conscious that this is a season of a great deal of loss in so many ways, but we're we are very painfully aware, aren't we, that so many have lost their lives. And whether it be COVID or, or other circumstances, I'm conscious that many of us within our church have, have experienced the loss of loved ones over recent days, weeks, and months. And it's, it's really hard to grieve for them, to say our goodbyes, to treasure their memory in the ways that we are used to. How might we think about grief and about loss? Well, this November, it marked actually 100 years since many of our war memorials were established. The Cenotaph in London, for instance, is 100 years old. And perhaps most poignant of all, it's 100 years since the unknown soldier, that unknown warrior, was laid to rest in Westminster Abbey. It's become a focus of grief for so many whose lost loved ones remained unmarked beneath so many foreign fields. Yeah, as I was listening to the radio um, this last week, um, it became apparent that for an awful long time it seemed as though no such memorial would be established. The cost and the difficulty of bringing back the dead was prohibitive after World War I, but nothing else actually was being done. So in stepped the mothers, the ordinary and yet wholly remarkable mothers seems to me that if you want something done, you just want to get a band of mums together and they'll figure it out, won't they? But one such grieving mum, Mrs. Ruth Jervis, she wrote to the War Graves Commission at the time saying she was shocked beyond words and grieved more than I can say at the commission's policy against allowing, as she put it, our brave boys to be brought home to their native countries. She continued... I speak plainly, as I have a right to, 
being one of the mothers whom have been called upon to sacrifice their only child and in the defense of their country. She wrote, is there no limit to the suffering imposed upon us? Is it not enough to have our boys dragged from us and butchered and not allowed to say, nay, without being deprived of their poor remains and refused a visit to their graves? I was hoping, she said, that at the end of the war that it would be some measure of consolation that I would be able to visit his remains. But it seems even that hope is gone. It is cruelty in the extreme. Well, suffice to say that she and many like her swung the opinion of those in Whitehall. Something was done and the whole country is much the better for their dogged devotion. That little example is perhaps one of the, the very worst instances or circumstances we can imagine of, of losing those who are gone before their time. And, and that's our, our heading for today, that sense that, that when we lose somebody, we're never ready. Folks, they go before their time. Obviously in World War I, that's so apparent, but I think it's true always. And we hear in those written words the breaking of a heart, don't we? And perhaps the quavering of a voice. But the voice wasn't weak. The voices of those who lost aren't weak. And we hear perhaps also a rage against injustice. We hear a rage against the injustice of loss of one of, as she put it, our brave boys and the inability to grieve appropriately also. For these next three weeks, we're going to be considering death, loss, and grief. And also comfort, hope, renewal, even the promise of resurrection too. And our hope is that each of us will find the space and the time, and more significantly, the God who enables us to grieve well and still rejoice in the gift of life. Each of us meets death differently. For some, it seems as though death simply smothers our senses. It suppresses our fight or our feeling. But for many, perhaps most, like those World War I mums, there's an innate desire to rebel, to fight against death, to strongly feel the injustice of it. It's wrongful claim, as it were, on our loved ones, upon us all. The poet Dylan Thomas, when he was facing his own father's illness and imminent death, he famously wrote these words. He wrote, And you, my father, there on the sad height, curse, bless me now with your fierce tears, I pray. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. It's a partial sense and not fully formed, but the Bible itself reminds us that there shouldn't be such a thing as death. That sense of injustice is rooted in God's perfect creation order. God never intended for his creation to know death. It's only sin and separation from God that has brought death into his world. And indeed, the Bible teaches us in God's new creation, for he will make all things new, there will be no death anymore. In Revelation 21 verse 4, it continues, Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things, including death, have passed away. And as 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 26 tells us, 
It tells us the will of God so forcefully when it says, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. That's actually God's will. It's God's purposes. It is the promise of what Jesus has done at the cross and through his own resurrection. Death is an enemy. It is an injustice. Yet, for the Christian, we have hope. In death, we hope. In loss, even in grief, we can hope. We hope for a new season to come. New seasons. The light, it fades quickly these days, doesn't it? Aren't the days seemingly rather short? That's the way with autumn. Days gone quickly, going quicker still. And yet you've got still exactly the same amount of stuff that you need to fit into the days. I can't help loving these days though. They're crisp, the cool air taking out those comfy woolens again. You can tell I'm a bit that way inclined. But above all, the autumn leaves. It's strange when you think about it, those changing colors of leaves, how attractive they are, how people will travel even around the world to see some good examples. Yet, they're all about death. The dying of the leaves, soon to fall, soon to be trampled, decay to, well, compost even. Yet even in it, death seems beautiful. As Psalm 116 verse 15 tells us, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And if they're precious to God, the death of each and every one of his loved ones, then there is truly a beauty in the death of the Christian. Don't misunderstand me. I've been around enough people who are dying and, and even at the point of their death to know of its agonies, to know of its assaults to sit with those fighting that last enemy, to hold weary hands and to look into hurting eyes. But there is beauty also. And the beauty is in the truth of what lies beyond death. For those who trust in Jesus, returning again to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8, Paul reminds us of the joy of Jesus' presence that awaits us by making the bold claim Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. What is beyond death is better, in fact, than what comes before death. You know, we think that we're, we're really living here and life is so precious. Here is precious. But what is to come is more fully alive. It's more fully life than we could possibly imagine. Everything will be made new. Everything will be made perfect. First John 3 and verse 2 talks about your body, your life, and says, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Autumn isn't beautiful because we ignore the reality of death, but because it's worth it. And because we know where the seasons go, The death of a Christian isn't beautiful because we ignore the pain, but because we know the deeper reality and the greater hope. We're going to reflect upon the changing of the seasons, but right now we're going to come again to a time of worshipping. Look, you have a resource sheet available for you. The details are there. Maybe open it up and sit before the Lord. Contemplate these things and invite the Holy Spirit to do a wonder work in your life as we worship the God who leads us through the seasons of life.
Yes, Lord Jesus, we want to be building our lives upon your love and to know that sure and certain foundation, never changing, always loving, always uh, redeeming, renewing, Lord God, and you bringing us through your love to hope. Lead us in your way, we pray. Amen. Amen. We're considering this morning uh, the changing seasons of life, uh, considering also how it is that even in some of the, the hardest things of life, even in, even in death, the loss of a loved one, we might know the beauty of Christ's purposes at work. And we've said already uh, that there is beauty in autumn of the passing of a saint into the arms of a savior. Yet, why is death so agonizing nonetheless? Not only for those who who have to face that for themselves, but for those of us who are left. Why do so many, Christians included, rage against the dying of the light, as we've heard it put? Well, it's because there's not just autumn at play, but what follows autumn is winter. Because tomorrow's hope is only reached through today's hurt. As I reflect upon these things, it seems to me that the death of those we love, though fundamentally without sting, if they are in Christ, well, it's certainly draining. Their death, in a very real sense, is our death. As their life on this earth comes to a close, we feel keenly the diminishing of this earth, of our patch of earth, for the lack of them. Their death is part, in fact, of the passing away of this world as their going to God speaks also of the coming of the world to come. With great depth of feeling and and clarity of spirit, we sense that our own lives also are being poured out. We would perhaps long to be like Jesus when he talked of his life being poured out. Oh, perhaps to follow the the example of of our brother in the faith, Paul, the apostle, who speaks similarly. We sense that time is short. We sense our limitation. And yet, as day by day we feel perhaps thinner of soul, stretched and drawn, tending towards the grave. Even so, we remind ourselves that what is poured out is not lost no you see the God who the Bible teaches us treasures before him even every one of our prayers is the same God who will gather tenderly every drop of the life of his own every drop of the the Lord's beloved is, is caught is saved and indeed savored for all of its beauty saved in the hands of our saviour We remind ourselves again that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. As the psalm tells us, precious too is life poured out in his service and for his glory. And he will not see your life or mine, nor the lives of those gone ahead of us somehow lost to eternity. If you are in Christ today, you are in Christ eternally we are secure in him. 
And yet we know that tomorrow's hope is only reached through today's hurt. And sometimes today's hurt seems insurmountable. Sometimes today seems a lot longer than the hope of tomorrow. You remember perhaps how in C.S. Lewis's Imagining of Narnia, in that first story he wrote, it was always winter and never Christmas. Now, I know there are some of you who aren't huge fans of Christmas, and based on how my little boy is avidly leafing through toy store catalogs at the moment, I'm a little bit nervous about it too. But the sense is true, isn't it? That winter's good if we know that there is hope. It's as though in Narnia, they lived under a curse and it can feel that way for us when we ache with hurt. Yet, for the Christian, we choose to engage with that hurt because we want to engage with the hurts of our world because we treasure life. There's a large book in the Bible that speaks of today's hurt. Yes, tomorrow's hopes too, but it speaks largely of today's hurts it's the book of Job and you may know the story a little bit of Job of how he was uh, doing wonderfully well uh, but actually the real story is of his goodness of his righteousness before God and how it is so devastatingly tested he loses everything he loses all of his possessions all of his wealth he loses his children tragically and then even his wife turns against him and invites him to curse god and die it's not much of an offer is it three friends come to sit with him but truth be told sitting and shutting up is the best thing they do for when they open their mouths and start to speak into his circumstance all the advice is awful they even turn the blame on job And yet through it all, Job seems to maintain his hope, his trust in God, his belief that God will work his good purposes. And yet, you can see as you read through the book, that hope being stretched and it's thin at times. In Job chapter 30, reading from verse 16, we find these words where Job is speaking. He says, and now my soul is poured out within me. Days of affliction have taken hold of me. The night racks my bones and the pain that gnaws me takes no rest. With great force my garment is disfigured. It it binds about me like the collar of my tunic. God has cast me into the mire and I have become like dust and ashes. I cry to you for help and you do not answer me. I stand and you only look at me. You have turned cruel to me. With the might of your hand, you persecute me. You lift me up on the wind. You make me ride on it. And you toss me about in the roar of the storm. For I know that you will bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. Yet does not one in a heap of ruin stretch out his hand and in his disaster cry for help? Did not I weep for him whose day was hard? Was not my soul grieved for the needy? But when I hoped for good, evil came. And when I waited for light, darkness came. My inward parts are in turmoil and never still. Days of affliction come to meet me. I go about darkened, but not by the sun. I stand up in the assembly and cry for help. I am a brother of jackals, a companion of ostriches. My skin turns black and falls from me, and my bones burn with heat. My lyre is turned to mourning and my pipe 
to the voice of those who weep. Goodness. They're devastating words, aren't they? And I don't know when you read them. I know it's true for me. I feel incredible discomfort. I kind of want to turn the page and read something else, go to those kind of happy moments in the Bible. And yet there's goodness, isn't there? In that God and through him, his word, spoken through people like Job, go to the Psalms as well, speaks very really into our moments, our experience, our mourning, our pain. Job is in the depths of winter. The beauty of autumn hasn't yet turned to the newness of spring. Those lost to Job, his condition and those who he's lost, though doubtless secure in God's plan of redemption, are still lost to Job. And he is in agony. All his faithful devotion seems to be ebbing away, yet he still comes to not his friends. In this case, not even his wife, although those loved ones around us can be such comfort. No, he goes ultimately to his God. You know, there's nothing wrong with bringing your pain to God. There's nothing wrong with bringing that uh, brittle brokenness of winter to God. There's nothing wrong with the heart cry of grief. There's indeed nothing wrong with bearing your open wounds with all their visceral horror to the one who is our healer. Indeed, for the Christian who knows the true meaning of death, for we know it doesn't end in winter, It's good, actually, to fully enter into the journey of mourning. I read this week of how a nonconformist pastor back in the 1800s, John Angel James, put it. And he said it like this. You might just want to reflect on this as we come to worship. And maybe just in your living room, if you can, just be as still as you can and reflect on these words. When a holy and beloved object of our affection is removed by death, we ought to sorrow humanity demands it and Christianity in the person of the weeping Jesus allows it the man without a tear is a savage or a stoic but not a Christian God intends when he bestows his gifts that they should be received with smiles of gratitude and when he recalls them that they should be surrendered with drops of sacred grief Sorrow is an affection implanted by the creator in the soul for wise and beneficent purposes. And it ought not to be ruthlessly torn up by the roots, but directed in its exercise by reason and piety. The work of grace, though it is above nature, is not against it. The man who tells me not to weep at the grave insults me, mocks me, and wishes to degrade me. Tears are the silent, pure, sincere testimony of the heart to the excellence of the gift he gave in mercy. And in mercy, no doubt, as well as judgment, he has recalled. But then, though we mourn, we must not murmur. We may sorrow, but not with the violent and uncontrolled grief of the heathen who have no hope. Our sorrow may flow as deep as we like, but noiseless and still in the channels of submission. We do not grieve as those who have no hope. That's what the Bible tells us, right? But we can still grieve. 
And so right now, I would encourage you to be as open as you can before your Savior in your living room, your dining room, your bedroom. If you're catching up at some other point during the week, the Holy Spirit is with God's children. He's with you, with me. And he would come to assist us, aid us, lead us, renew us in the winter of our grief. Let's go to God together, shall we? Jesus, but Jesus, my 
heart will sing no other name but Jesus but Jesus my heart will sing no other name but Jesus but Jesus my heart will sing no other name but Jesus but Jesus 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 and oh I'm running to your arms I'm running to your arms the riches of your love will always be enough and nothing compares to your going to be in a very um, a very immediate way where we're going to be running into the arms of God as we share communion together. One benefit of this uh, lockdown is that you're all at home and you can get a nice piece of bread and something decent to drink uh, rather than have to have one of these uh, little cups. But no matter what we're, we're getting, um, what we are doing is recognizing that God loves us, that he calls us, welcomes us. And we can run into his arms together. We're going to conclude our thinking uh, this morning. Having begun perhaps in, in autumn, in that, those moments of loss through thinking about winter, to now considering uh, spring is coming. Spring is coming. You know, autumn may be beautiful. Winter may seem painful. Yet spring is coming with all its resurrection joy. And so we can hope with confidence and indeed certainty, as certain as the cross, as certain as the empty tomb of Jesus our Savior. So the Christian can softly, gladly even, release another Christian into the arms of a loving, strong very real, very alive saviour. If that's true, how then should we live? The seasons are the same for us all, but the length of our days, none of us can know. We would that autumn would be brief. We would that the winters of our lives would be few and far between. I guess we all want to live in spring and summer, we don't know the days that God gives to us. James 4 and verse 14 makes this plain. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. 
what is your life? For you are a mist or a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes. What is your life? What will you make of it? Better yet, will you put your life in the hands of God and let him make wonders of it? I read of a story submitted to a a Christian magazine of a a mum one day heading up the stairs at home with a a basket containing the, the last load of folded clothes. I read this and I thought, when is there a last load of folded clothes? That day never comes, does it? But anyhow, there she is heading up the stairs with this basket of clothes, herding her three little ones in front of her for bedtime. Apparently, her eldest child, Peggy, who was then in in the first year of school, picked that moment to begin one of those questions that always captivate kids at some point or other. Mummy, she asked, if it were the end of the world and everyone was getting ready to die. This is really how kids talk, isn't it? It really is true. The mum stopped, shifted the basket on her hip and said a really quick silent prayer for wisdom to answer the question. Yes, the mum prompted her daughter. And so the little girl finished her theological inquiry. If the end of the world came, would you have to take your library books back? It's these things that seem the most important things to kids. I know during lockdown, we had library books at home and I really genuinely believe that the library police might come and get us. Um, Anyhow, the little girl... She didn't want there to be, actually, any unfinished business in her lives. Now, you and I, I don't know, maybe we've got more significant business in our lives, maybe more significant unfinished business than library books. What might be really important for us to start, to carry through, and to finish in our lives? Christians, Your unfinished business is to live such holy lives set apart to God according to his wisdom and his character that everyone around you might see your lives of holiness and glorify your Father in heaven. Christian, your unfinished business is to speak the gospel clearly, winsomely, without fear or favor that all might know that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus can be their Lord too. If you're not yet a Christian, your unfinished business is firstly to place your life in God's hands. Do it now, before autumn overtakes you, before winter comes. Do it now. And you, like me, like so many Christians gone before, will know the spring of resurrection life in Jesus. Come on, let's just pause for a moment right now. And if you've not yet placed your life in Jesus' hands, I would urge you, encourage you to do it right now. My friends who are hosting uh, online, they're going to put in an an option for you in the chat for you to respond right now to the love of Jesus Christ, to request prayer and to begin your journey with Jesus. And I'm going to pray a prayer for each and every person who is saying yes to Jesus today. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that the seasons of our life are no surprise to you. You have ordered them, Lord Jesus. 
knowing that we have sinned, that we have separated ourselves from you. You have made a way of hope for us, made a way for a new spring to come, new life in you. And so Jesus, I want to pray that for each and every person who today is saying yes, they want that day of new life in you, that spring to come for them, that they need not be afraid of death. For each and every person who is saying that they are sorrow, sorrowful for that sin, for separating themselves from you and your lordship. God, I pray for each and every one of them to know your presence with them right now. I pray, dear Jesus, that they would profoundly know that you are making them new. I pray, dear Jesus, that they would know that their hope in you is secure. That, God, you promised them the fullness of life now and forevermore. God, I pray that they would have the courage to connect with us as a church or if they're further afield, to connect with a church that is near to them, that they might journey in your way, journey through the seasons of life knowing you, God, as their Lord, their friend, and their Savior. This is my prayer for them. God bless them, I pray. God bless them, I pray. And if you're Christians on, uh, with us as part of this gathering, I, I just ask you to offer your own prayers right now for those who might be newly coming to Jesus or exploring new life in him. This is the joy of how to begin the journey through the seasons. But I remind you again, if you are a Christian, Come on, let's give some order to our lives. Let's not live in fear. Let's live in hope. Just the week before last, as a Christian leader, I read his, his blogs quite often, the things that he writes. His name is Tim Challies. And he, totally out of the blue, suddenly lost his college-aged son. One day he was playing with his sister and some friends at university full of life and the next moment he was gone it's inexplicable almost unreal and yet actually and painfully all too real and writing in thanks to the outpouring of love that they had received uh, the father Tim noted that somebody had submitted to him the words of another preacher Charles Spurgeon and in uh, this dad's agonies and indeed in his joys as he reflected upon his good, good son. He said that these were indeed the right words at the right time. And so I'm going to offer them to you as we come around communion together. Here they are modernized through the pen of Alistair Begg. Oh death, why do you touch the tree beneath whose spreading branches weariness finds rest? Why do you snatch away the excellence of the earth in whom is all our delight? If you must use your axe, use it upon the trees that yield no fruit, then you may be thanked. But why will you chop down the best trees? Hold your axe and spare the righteous. But no, it must not be. Death strikes the best of our friends, the most generous, the most prayerful, the most holy, the most devoted must die. And why? It is through Jesus' prevailing prayer. Father, he prayed, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am 
It is that which bears them on eagles' wings to heaven. Every time a believer moves from this earth to paradise, it is an answer to Christ's prayer. A good old divine remarks. Many times Jesus and his people pull against one another in prayer. You bend your knee in prayer and say, Father, I desire that your saints be with me where I am. Christ says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. In this way, the disciple is at cross purposes with his Lord. The soul cannot be in both places. The beloved one cannot be with Christ and with you too. Now, which of the two who plead shall win in the day? If you had your choice, if the king should step from his throne and say, here are two supplicants praying in opposition to one another, which shall be answered, oh, I am sure though it were agony, you would jump to your feet and say, Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. You would give up your prayer for your loved one's life if you could realize the thoughts that Christ is praying in the opposite direction. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, he prays. Lord, you shall have them. By faith, we let them go. By faith, we let them go. And if you're in Christ, by faith, we shall follow them. And so we come to take and to eat, to take and to drink, because here is the foundation of that hope. Jesus has gone before us. He has gone through death. He has conquered the grave. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. He is in glory and he beckons us from here to him. By faith we let them go and by faith we will follow through death to life. For Jesus prays that we will follow and we will. So if you're in Jesus, would you take the bread that you have and eat we take the cup and we drink and we do so proclaiming the Lord's death that death of deaths his life of lives and we proclaim his death until he comes Jesus Jesus is coming again come on shall we celebrate together amen and hallelujah jealous for me Love's like a hurricane I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy Oh, love, a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory and I realize just Beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me and oh 
Amen. It's a prayer for you that you would know that Jesus loves you. As we close now, we want to remind you, do please connect with your transformed communities to journey through these things. The bereavement journey continues um, on Wednesday evening. And of course, um, do look at and connect with all of those resources regarding today's International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church and the prayer event this evening. God bless you. And we so look forward to gathering with you again next Sunday at this same time. God bless you. Go encourage one another, bless one another, be a blessing in this world. Amen. Once again, it's been such a delight to be able to share together as a church this morning. And uh, we know uh, that taking what God has been doing in our lives, we can go and have wonderful weeks with him. Just to um, invite you um, to journey together with one another as we go through the week. We as a church, we don't just gather, but we get going into what God has for us together. And we have these things called transform communities. We would love to help you to connect with other like-minded people who are exploring God's goodness and grace and seeing how they can be a part of his transforming work in the world. So again, hit us up, get in touch. We'd love to help you to connect. Anything that you need, any prayer requests, do let us know. And we'll love to see you again this time next week. God bless you and bye for now.